back, everyone. It's Pete Van Epps. Appreciate you tuning in for another edition of the Camera Rooks podcast. So on this podcast, I interview Camera Rooks alumnus Dee Rodriguez. And so Dee is a former Marine Corps infantry officer, uh, has a civil engineering background. So when he got out of the military, he went to go work for a company called Preferred Material. So on this podcast, we we talk about a little bit about his transition, a little bit about why he chose preferred materials, who they are and what they're up to. But we, we get, you know, we kind of start talking day in the life and we get to a point that I think is especially important to military officers transitioning out. And that is being able to see the value of your leadership in your day-to-day um, officership. And, and it's a, it's a struggle, I think, for people as they're trying to quantify their experiences and express to companies in interviews how their leadership is is relevant and meaningful and because sometimes as officers we just do what we do and yeah I'm just I went to work today and I did a good job and so Dee does a very nice job of kind of fleshing out a little bit of his experience at um, at preferred materials and ultimately why that how that translates and relates to being in the military so it's really fun he also gives some really good advice about learning learning the business learning kind of what your business does and how they make money but also really appreciating talent in an organization and making relate building relationships with talent in an organization in order to really get things done so fun conversation with D. he's got some great experience been out there for about three and a half years now doing great things at preferred materials i think you'll enjoy the the podcast and take some good things away from it. So enjoy. Hey, if you want to know more about us, Cameron Brooks, if you don't already, you can uh, you can go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com, pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America on Amazon, authored by uh, Roger Cameron, co-authored by Chuck Alvarez, our president and CEO, and Joel Junker, our senior vice president. Over 80 years of officer recruiting and transition experience in that book and uh, and something that I think will be helpful if you haven't already picked up a copy. Enjoy. Here's uh, here's Dee. All right. Hey, Dee, uh, welcome to the Camera Brooks podcast. So glad you're able to carve out a few minutes for uh, for my for me and the listeners. Uh, appreciate you being on. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. Yes, sir. So it's been, you know, you and I, it's been a while since you you and I have connected but you transitioned out in uh, in came to the June 2015 conference. I've been out now for about three and a half years. Why don't we go back in time a little bit? Tell tell us a little bit about your Marine Corps experience. You know, what would you do as an infantry officer? Kind of walk us through that. Uh, okay, I came out. So I graduated college 2008. I went straight to the basic school uh, from there, the infantry officer course, and I got to my um, infantry battalion. I deployed pretty early. Uh, I was a rifle platoon commander to Afghanistan, which uh, for me was a pretty neat experience. Uh, you know, obviously it was new to me, but I remember my boss at the time telling me I didn't realize how lucky I was because I got to operate my own patrol base in, you know, Helmand province of Afghanistan with me and about 50 Marines, a handful of interpreters and a squad of Afghan National Army. And so kind of thrown right into the fire there with responsible for operations, logistics, uh, and everything else to continue running a patrol base uh, so it was a really you know a great experience for me my first deployment there did another deployment on a uh, east coast mew a marine expeditionary unit so it was deployed on ship for about 10 and a half months um, with a weapons platoon this time around so that brought with it its own sort of uh its own challenges its own yeah I mean, challenges the right word there um and different experiences because we went from 
kind of that warfighting mentality to just being on standby, being prepared, um, mm-hmm. training for doing shore side, shore side training uh, when we go ashore, um, and then also, I guess, the Liberty Ports is the fun part. When I uh, let's see, return from that deployment, I about hit the end of my my lieutenant time in the infantry battalion. So uh, from there, I moved down to Tampa, where I was with uh, Marine Corps Forces Central Command. I was uh, promoted to captain shortly after I arrived there, and that was a neat experience for me, just from a different kind of point of view. I went away from, you know, my experience to that point in the Marine Corps had been an infantry battalion where the most senior guy there is a lieutenant colonel. And all of a sudden I got to a, a three-star Marine Corps Forces uh, headquarters command where my RO was a th- the three-star commanding officer, um, who's actually now General Miller, the commandant of the Marine Corps. And I was a headquarters company commander there, so responsible for all the Marines in the command. So in my company was a slew of colonels, lieutenant colonels, all the way on down. So that was Really, it was interesting and different. I really drove home that whole uh, concept of leading up because um, I would sit in, you know, the staff meetings with the principal staff, which was, uh, you know, six or seven colonels and a captain briefing a three-star. Um, so like I said, it was different from my infantry battalion experience, but I think really good for me in sort of preparing me for life out of the Marine Corps and sort of carrying sure. confidence in my ability to speak to senior individuals of a, whether it be a command in the Marine Corps or of a business um, or, you know, where I work now. And so finished out my time in, in Tampa. Um, about two years in, I switched over to work in the operations, uh, the ops section, and worked as a watch officer there. Uh, did a quick deployment to Kuwait. Nothing too exciting, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was that was about it for my Marine Corps career, and then transitioned out, uh, came to Cameron Brooks. Yeah, found my job now where I'm at. What do you remember? What do you remember about the career conference? So it's been you know three and a half years, been you know not been a little little bit. What do you remember most about the career conference? I have a moment that really sticks out for me, and it was just prior to my final interview. So on the second day of interviewing that Tuesday. Um, actually, my last interview was with the company I ended up coming to work for, and I had about an hour and a half break before the interview. And so I was with my fiance at the time, not my wife. Uh, Kelly was with me, and we went downstairs and outside one of the little conference rooms. I just sort of sat on a bench and kind of caught my breath from, you know, the last two last four days really of the conference. And I remember just turning my head to the left, looking outside. And it occurred to me that I haven't been outside since I think Friday night when I got to the hotel. <laughs> right. And I just walked out and sort of basked in the sun and felt like I recharged a bit. Um, Interesting. And, and you know, then went into my, my last interview and I, I guess it went well enough that I'm still working here now. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't remember that in a bad way. It just, uh, you know, I think you guys did a great job of kind of preparing us for what we're going into. And I really looked at that weekend as a, a business trip of sorts and, you put in the work over the weekend to, to kind of do the studying, do the prep for the interviews. And then, you know, those two full days of interviews, I think I had, I think it was 13 or 14. And uh, it's a it's a very mentally tiring thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, maybe not, I don't know if that was what you're looking for, but that was my. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Wait, that's a, is that little refresh moment. Yeah. 
Un- definitely uh, an unrehearsed conversation. So yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, it sounds good. And I know I, it's funny, you know, going to the conference five times a year, I, I have that experience with that experience of not going outside, I should say. Um, and it's when I leave the con- get the conference on Thursday night, when I leave the conference on Wednesday morning, having, you know, not been outside, most of the time I don't go outside. So having not been outside for a full week it's almost like i'm stepping out in like a, a time warp like wait a week has gone by and i have not been outside right. so anyway yeah oh, that's a great my, memory too yeah oh, okay i would say my my feeling with that is not just oh i haven't been outside it was more so a kind of a realization of what i committed myself to is what really hit me it was like wow i've spent the weekend indoors you know working hard kind of mentally fatiguing myself to go through these interviews and I'm almost done. I've almost made it to the end. And it was a, it was a good feeling, I guess is mm-hmm. the point I want to make. Yeah, that's really good. Now tell us a little bit more about, um, get, kind of run us through, if you will, preferred materials. What does your company do? Yeah, let me ask you two questions. One, what does your company do? And then two, why did you select them over every other option you had? Okay. Um, so preferred materials is a, like I work on the on the paving side, so we're like very locally we are a paving contractor. So we we do uh, asphalt paving, so paving roadways for municipalities, for you know the Florida Department of Transportation, for other government entities, and then also for private commercial work as well. We are so preferred materials asphalt falls under a preferred materials umbrella, where we also have a concrete division and an aggregate division. Um, we're vertically integrated to provide our own aggregate for our asphalt. Okay. And then on a larger scope, we are part of CRH, which is a, a, a world's second largest uh, building manufacturer, or not building manufacturer, but I'm sorry. Jeez, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Building materials. Thank you. <laughs> building materials company in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so CRH, a parent company, headquartered in uh, Dublin, Ireland. Right. Here in the U.S., our American division, CRH Americas, is headquartered in Atlanta, so we're a part of that. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the, I guess, real quick of where I'm at with preferred materials. Okay. And then to, I guess, address the question of how I decided to come here, you know, before I joined the Marine Corps and I went to school and got a degree in civil engineering, at one point I had aspirations to go build bridges. Um okay. I just always liked the, the engineering side of work. And so it was something when I got through the interviews and you know, got to look into the company, look into you know, CRH as a whole, and seeing that it's not, not directly, it was, I'm not doing engineer work, but it's something that it tied in well with interest that I have, which is kind of that building building of things, whether it be bridges, roads, right. or what have you. Um, so it just tied into like a personal interest of mine. So it was something that... Uh, industry-wise, I knew it was something that I could, something I believed in, something I could get behind. And then when I got into looking in the, at the role specifically, it was something I realized it tied in well with my military experiences and with my, I guess, leadership skill set. Because um, mm-hmm. to me, I see a lot of parallels in what I do uh, with, you know, if I'm a project manager for, for paving projects. So the way I look at my job is I'm setting the setting the paving crews up for success, making sure the jobs are on schedule, on time, on budget, ensuring mm-hmm. our subcontractors are where they need to be 
um, you know, managing the profits and loss, managing things like our quality control. And so to me, I look at all those things as if you look at the paving crew as kind of the main effort. So again, coming from the Marine Corps where the infantry is the main effort. And then further down, I remember our Afghanistan deployment, our battalion commander would drive home that our infantry squads were the main effort. So as a platoon commander, I ensured they had everything they needed to be successful on the ground. And that's how I view my role as a project manager is making sure that the paving crews have everything they need to be successful when they go out to pave. Um, gotcha. So, you know, whether it be when they, they get out there, they have the trucks they need, the correct subcontractors are on site, the correct notifications are in, uh, all those things. So it was something, as I got more into it, I've learned this more. I guess that wasn't all on the front end of this decision, but it's something that's really tied in with, I think, what I'm good at and what I enjoy doing. Um, you don't have to really walk through a bunch of other other companies that you turned down, but y you had other options. Um, were you comfortable with those other options? It was just like this was the be best fit? I was. Uh, let's see. I had, I had a few follow-up interviews. I think one that I just knew it wasn't the right fit that I ended up turning down going on the follow-up. Okay. Um, which I felt a little, I guess, bad about that because I think they had wanted me to come in. But um, I guess without going into details for the other companies, there, were, there was another, there's a company out in Arizona that I had a really good follow-up interview with. Mm -hmm. uh, the individual who I interviewed with at the conference was the one who would be my boss um, in that role. It was a manufacturing role. Okay. And it was, uh, for me, in the end, it was really between between where I'm at now and with that company. Um, there was another interview I had follow up for that. Uh, the interview went fine, but it was a medical device company. And I think kind of going back to where my my interests lie and just maybe have, maybe kind of how I'm wired, I didn't think that was a right fit for me. Um, you know, there's, there's parts of my job now that I like where I spend time in the office and as a reprieve, I go out to the, I go out to the jobs and then, you know, as a reprieve from that, I can come back to the office. So right. it's a nice balance of back and forth. It's not stuck to a desk all day. Um, but yeah, I guess in the end, it was kind of between those those two companies, the manufacturing one and where I'm at now. And, you know, as much as I'd like to say that I didn't make location part of the decision makings, I know that was something that Karen Brooks talks about on the front end of not limiting yourself to location. The company I work for now, Preferred Materials, our main office is in Tampa. That's where I was getting out of the Marine Corps from. That's where my wife's family's from. Um, so that, you know, I, I don't think that was the decision maker, but it kind of helped lean things towards coming here. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. No, I'm, and I'm glad you went down that road. And, and it was really the point that I like to make to, our, to officers who are thinking about making the transition is, you know, doing the type of career search that you conduct, like you said, you had 13 interviews at the conference, you did some follow-ups in different industries and in different locations and different cultures and different functions and different interests, right? That's the beauty of this type of search in my mind is, is seeing a lot of things all in a relatively, well, very, I should say, short amount of time in order to ultimately make the best choice for you and for your family, something that's going to 
you're going to be interested in is going to hold your attention and ultimately allow you to launch your business career, which obviously in this case, D, it worked out very well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's worked out exactly as planned, it sounds like. No, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. That was something that, uh, that really impressed me. I remember being at the Cannon Books Conference was the sort of the breadth of different companies that I was interviewing with and the different types of roles because mm-hmm. there is kind of a uh, – uh, stereotypes the right word, but when you're getting out of the military and the infantry, maybe less so on the officer side, but everyone's first thing is like, oh, you're going to go be a police officer. And it's just something that I had no interest in doing. And I want to limit myself to, you know, I carried a gun in the Marine Corps, so I got to carry a gun in the real world. Um, and so, yeah, having Karen Brooks where they again, provide just that breadth of companies that I would have never thought to interview with a company that makes medical devices but i'm really glad i ended up going through those interviews and learning how they do business because i was even just going through that process was you know very eye-opening for me and i learned a lot so one of the things like you you're a your job title is project manager you have a civil engineering undergraduate degree um you talked about you know kind of on time on budget and a lot of times when I'm talking to a military officer and I say, hey, you know, tell me a little bit about your interests. Where do you see yourself based on some of your research? And I feel like the word project manager gets thrown around to encapsulate everything, team leadership, real project management, maybe cross-functional stuff, whatever it might be. So tell us more. What's your day-to-day? And I'm going to add a little bit to the question because when I went back, I went back and pulled the information sheet for preferred materials from the June 2015 conference. And actually, the role that that they called it was business analyst and, you know, doing, it looks like a wide variety of projects and analysis, including operational analysis, competitive analysis, benchmarking, demand, other ad hoc studies in order to support the business and execution strategy. When you interviewed, were you interviewing, because it feels like you're doing something different now, but maybe not. What's your day to day? And when you interviewed, were you, which role were you interviewing for? Um, so that's funny you bring that up. I'd almost forgotten about that. So yeah, I interviewed for I think it was for that business analyst role at the conference, and uh, I remember. So preferred materials brought two folks to that conference. It was our president of the asphalt division at the time, who that role would report to, and then our vice president of HR for our parent company uh, for the south division. And I interviewed with him, and so we went through the interview process. But when I got to the follow up. Um, the president of the company, he kind of turned the tables on me and he basically, I kind of went through two interview sessions with him. Um, and then two interviews with sort of, he brought in the, the regional VPGMs and I interviewed for the project manager position and then also went through the process of that business analyst role. But, and I, and I don't say this as a, Sort of just to pat myself on the back, but I think I'm not sure what he was expecting to get out of, to get out of the conference. But uh, basically, going through the interview process, he realized that I'd be better suited for the PM role um, because it's something that the way he explained to me, if I came on board as a business analyst before I would move up in the company, I'd have to do time as a project manager anyways um, to kind of gain the the knowledge of kind of what we do. And so it was almost like skipping that business analyst role. I think they gotcha. found someone else to fill that, and I went into the PM, sort of that line. Uh, yeah, gotcha. 
yeah, yeah another kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good takeaway, right? Because because sometimes you know we we do we try here at Camera right? We try to try to help companies, even if it's a company we've been partnering for a good long while, help companies see what JMOs can bring to the table. But you know, obviously, when you showed up on that follow up interview, it was like, well, yeah, you could do the business analyst role, but man, you've got this other great experience and civil engineering undergraduate degree and you know, all this infantry time where you were managing different projects and all these other things. And all of a sudden, this other opportunity that wasn't even available or even spoken of at the career conference manifests itself through the follow-up interview process, ultimately the one you chose. Very interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that either, by the way. I, th- I just thought your job title changed. I didn't realize that that you were doing something completely different than uh, than what was represented at the career conference. Hmm. Right. So what is your day-to-day then, then? You talked about being out in, in, in the field. You talked about being in the office. Tell, tell us more. What does a project manager for applied materials do? Or sorry, preferred materials, excuse me. Right, right. Um, so yeah, it's, and actually I guess kind of one of the good things I like about this job is the days tend to be different. Um, so it's a good thing. So if I'm not, Sometimes I'll go out with the crews if we're a lot of our DOT projects are on highways, uh, so those have to be paved at night. Uh, so you know I'll do first thing in the morning, kind of check in with the paving foreman, see how the night shift went. Um, kind of go through. There's the admin requirement of you know you checking checking timesheets from the night before, making sure they match up with our QC reports, our quality control reports. Um, those are what's used for you know, validating our, our pay at the end of each month with the department. So making sure everything there is correct. So you kind of run through those those QC and time timesheet checks. And then, you know, I guess depending on, on the day and, and where things are going, there's, it, for me, it's a lot of scheduling. I like to try to stay about two or three weeks ahead of where we're at. And so looking at, you know, where we've progressed from the night before, Okay, where are we going to be in two weeks' time? Uh, for example, right now I have a project on a major highway east-west running road here, uh, just east of Orlando, and it's going to intersect with a major interstate, I-95. And I know well, when we get to that intersection, we have to close down some ramps. So I got to put in requests to close ramps and set up detours. So just thinking through those things, and then from there you start flushing things out. And okay, well I know I need the signs that say detour ahead and all those sorts. So you start lining up subcontractors and then the things that are needed for, you know, when we get up there to do that work. Um, so it's a lot of kind of looking down the road a little bit and then just kind of tying different groups together. And so I guess going back to where I was saying, it reminds me a lot of Marine Corps. It's, you know, as an infantry officer, you're going, we're going to go out to the field for some training event, you know, make sure we have the, the logistics thing set up, make sure our right. range requests are in, make sure that we've requested the ammo from the armory, make you know, making sure all those things are lined up so that when the Marines get to the field, they can focus on training. And that's kind of how I look at my role. So I'm setting up all those different things, making sure we have the right equipment set up, and making sure some contractors are lined up so when the paving group gets there, they can focus on paving. Um, so, so that's a, a big part of it. And then there's always the, uh, I guess, not as glamorous side, and that's, for me, the cost accounting and making sure that we're paying our bills and I'm doing my, my projections. I try to 
you know, keep continuous projections of the job to see where our, you know, what our margin contribution is going to be at the end of a project. Um, so if we're, you know, we're in line and the project looks like it's making money, I know to stay the course, but if we're projecting or if I'm projecting out that, you know, hey, by the end of this project, we're going to be not looking so great, we'll need to figure out what kind of course corrections to make um, and identify, you know, where where we strayed away from our budget and how we get back in line. Um, so that's, you know, another responsibility that kind of ends up taking up a, a good part of the day. And then throughout the week, there's meeting with project owners, so whether it be the Department of Transportation or their representatives. I also manage a, uh, a pretty big paving contract that we have with our local county. Um, and so with that, we do a lot of smaller projects like neighborhoods or maybe longer streets in the county, but we treat those projects differently. So they require a lot more face time out on the projects with the county. And so going to those sort of meetings to make sure everything's in line. I'm not sure if that's that's a good yeah. rundown, but. Well, I mean, did you ever imagine, and I guess this is back to, I don't want to rehash the point we've already kind of hit on, but gosh, did you ever imagine you'd be doing this type of work when you got out of the Marine Corps? No. No, and it's really I, uh, interesting because you did a very nice job connecting being an infantry officer to managing projects for preferred materials. Frankly, I mean, you easily connected the overlap. And that's it's, it's funny, Pete, because that's something that I remember uh, our president of the company when I interviewed with him. He kind of he threw that out there at me. He's like, you know, I think you'll find some some overlap in what you've done with what we want you to do. And I, you know, nod my head and said, okay. And along the way, it's just sort of jumped out at me a few times where it really does, yeah, like overlaps the right word of just certain things with, like I said, I guess kind of going back to the analogy of, you know, I think of, hey, making sure the logistics uh, is set up and I have that aspect, making sure the the operational side is, is good. We have our, you know, the crew lined up and everything else. And so it's funny to me how that's worked out. And I think that's uh, probably that. Well, I really enjoy what I'm doing, and then also I think I do it pretty well is because those things kind of line up nicely for me. It's a challenge. I make that a I point. Yeah, no, I love it. I want to make a point that, that I've been making a lot lately. For some reason, it's just kind of been on the forefront with some conversations I've had with officers who are preparing to transition, and that is a couple of people have said to me, even some, even earlier today uh, on a phone call I had, I was saying, you know, I'm I'm really struggling with you know, developing significant accomplishments in my experience, you know, because I think that the problem, I'm pretty sure the problem is people think like, if it's a quote, significant accomplishment, it needs to be earth shattering. And and I think that the the challenge we have, and I remember facing this a little bit myself as, as an officer in, in the army, is we don't quite really appreciate or fully grasp the fact that our day-to-day -day leadership whether, like you said, managing logistics, solving problems, taking care of Marines, whatever it might be, the day-to-day, -day, like, yeah, that's just what I do. I'm an officer. But that is the granular detail of the leadership that corporate America is actually looking for. You said it yourself. Nat, that's what Nat was looking for. Like, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, I sure. But no, 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 that's really the leadership that we're that we're trying to trying to find and bring to our company. And so. I want. I hope a lot of people actually listen to this podcast because I really want, especially those in our program, to get their hands around the fact that that the day-to-day -day work that you do as an officer 
translates and you don't have to you know you know, change like fundamentally change the way the marine corps works like just go be a good officer and it just kind of works itself out that way tell me your thoughts on that though no i think absolutely you're right um I, yeah i think that's really the like you put it well where it's funny because Nats told me that or you know he's i forget how he told me but he said uh he told me I better do well because his reputation's on the line if I don't. And uh, right. you know, since then he has come back to tell me that that's gone well for him. He's, uh, I think, kind of <laughs> used me and a couple other guys here as a, a case study for, hey, it can work. You can grab a guy out of the military who has those leadership skills, those officer skills that again we do day in and day out and don't think twice about, mm-hmm. and just plug him in. Because you know, I came to an asphalt company and I didn't know anything about asphalt. Right. Um, I spent my first few months here with a company. They they sent me over to our uh, one of our asphalt plants, and I worked in the quality control lab, and basically learning learning our product, uh, how it's made, what it, you know the differences in it. While there, I end up getting certified uh, with the state for asphalt paving, asphalt plant production, and actually got certified as a quality control manager. And I think originally the plan was to keep me there about six months, rotate me through the estimating department another six months, but after about three months. Uh, they pulled me out and just said, hey, you're going to manage our Orange County contract. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, we're doing it. Let's go. And, um, you know, that's how it started. And then from there, it's grown into, uh, you know, currently managing our our company's two largest paving projects. One's about a $29 million resurfacing project uh, for the Florida Turnpike, and the other one's a $19 million uh, resurfacing project. And, again, it's nothing – because, you know, I, I deal with, day in and day out, folks who have been dealing with asphalt for 30 plus years. And that's, that's great. Obviously, I don't have that level of experience with asphalt and that's okay. I don't need to. I, I'm confident when I know and what I do and that's served me well. And I, I think, yeah, like you said, that, that sort of day in and day out officership is a lot of what my job is. Right. Beautiful man, that is such a good point. If we left it there, we'd be this would this would be uh, all we'd need. I um, I do want to ask you one final question though, as we're kind of hitting up against the time. Our marketers said we got to keep our podcast at a certain time length, otherwise we can just go on all day. Um, how about a little advice for those who either are new to corporate America, maybe had just made the transition, or perhaps someone who is close to making the move. Yeah, what, what what would you tell? I know that's a very broad question, by the way. I got that, but uh, what what would you? What's one piece of advice you'd give someone getting ready to make that move, or maybe just made the move? I guess thinking. I was thinking about this last night. I think I already told you I was listening to some of the prior podcasts and just uh, thinking you might ask me a question like this. And mm-hmm. one of the things that somebody said to me early on here, which it seems like the most obvious thing, but if you really get down into it, it makes sense. And it was learn the business. Uh, learn the business and learn how your business makes money. Um, because in the end, that, that's what we're here for. That's uh, actually, I think back to the Karen Burke's reading uh, program with that book, The Goal, that really stuck out to me. But so for me, I work for a materials company, but I work for an asphalt paving construction company. So, you know, my, my local goals are my construction projects need to be profitable, but sometimes on a higher level, there's someone thinking not so much on the profitability of my project, but maybe the movement of material. And so for like for CRH, so having a paving contractor is a good way to sell asphalt. 
because selling asphalt is a great way to sell aggregate. And in the construction material side, aggregate is, is where we, we make a lot of our money. And so again, I think maybe it's a, it's a real simple thing, but understanding kind of where you fall in in the bigger scheme and how what I do supports the greater goal is really helped keep me kind of open-minded about things because there's times where I might get frustrated because some costs are going to hit my job that I don't think should, but then kind of taking a step back and understanding the bigger picture that some folks a few steps higher from me are thinking about and you understand like, okay, got it. Like I might take a hit, but kind of for the greater good. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was something someone, someone told me, yeah, I don't know if that's anything earth shattering, but I, I thought, well, that was, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's helpful. And let me, if I may, let me just pull a point because it's so good because in the Marine Corps and for me in the army, right, the bottom line mission was, was um, training readiness. I really, I wouldn't even say that. The bottom line mission is the ability to fight and win our nation's wars. Now, most of that translates to training and readiness. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you actually get to go, go apply the bottom line mission, right? But generally it's training and readiness. But I think sometimes military officers, your advice is so pointed because I think sometimes military officers forget to describe their experience in the context of the bottom line mission of whatever organization they serve in. And so what you're yeah. saying in terms of, you know, learn your business and learn how your business makes money, the translation, especially for someone trying to express their experience in interviews is, is make sure that when you describe your experiences, you're doing it in the context of the, the bottom line mission of the organization and why the organization exists to begin with, exactly as you're describing your organization and where it's at. So actually, really good advice. I know you feel like it's simple, but it's it's really important. It's like right on the money in terms of how people should be thinking about it. So excellent okay, advice. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And then uh, I have one more if you if you Please, allow I want you to. Yes. Another thing that I thought about, and again, it's something that, so in the Marine Corps, you kind of know, like if I'm going to the S-4, I know Lieutenant, whoever's in charge, but I know that, you know, that corporal is one who makes things happen. And kind of in your in your company, kind of learning who's who in the zoo. Because I think, especially being someone new, for me, being someone new, being from the military, but being able to identify, you know, where to go to to solve certain problems. You might not be the person who is solving that problem, but you can, if it's a team setting, you know, hey, if it's that kind of issue, we go to this person over there. Um, it, it helps It helps give you credibility, I think, and kind of building your professional network within an organization as a new, you know, as a new person there. And then also, you know, build your reputation as a facilitator and as a problem solver. Or again, like I don't need to solve every problem, but I know where to go to to solve every problem. Um, and I think that's that's kind of key is just knowing knowing who the who the different folks are. And I don't mean just knowing who's the VP of different departments, but right. if it's a payroll issue, well, I know she takes care of payroll and she's going to be the one to help that guy out so he can make sure he gets his paycheck correct this week. You know, different little things like that go a long way, I think. Really good point. I want to I want to pile on, but uh, for sake of time, I won't. But I love it. I appreciate it. I, I have a very similar experience in my own transition, and uh, excellent, excellent advice. Okay. Well, D, th I know this has been short and sweet, but I, there are absolutely nuggets to pull out of your experience that I know people can use. So I really appreciate you sitting with me for a few minutes and just walking through it. Uh, great, great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely, Pete. Anytime. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Thank you.